It wasn't pretty, but Boston College takes down UMass. We're going to break down the entire game today here on Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. I am the editor and publisher of bcbulletin.com. Check out my work there. On today's show, they're 2-0, but Boston College did not look pretty in their win against UMass. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly today. We'll dive into the game and look at the offensive, defense, and injuries that happened that really kind of impacted the outcome of Saturday's matchup. So let's look at the game itself. Boston College comes out in their red bandana uniforms. You know, the spirits are high. It's a 9-11 20th anniversary game. And Boston College is playing in Amherst for the first time since 1982. First series, UMass decides to go with Brady Olson, their quarterback, as Tyler Lytle. Their starter was out. Brady Olson is a uh, local kid. Looked good. Then all of a sudden, he throws a bad interception. He's a true freshman. He throws an interception to Josh DeBerry. Boston College gets the ball. They march right down the field, and they score on Alex Singfield's six-yard run. Singfield, who got the start for his first time as a Boston College Eagle, uh, looked good on that first drive. However, and I wasn't at the game, so I got to listen to what you guys did at the Nesson Plus thing, uh, which was not the best um, production you'll ever see. UMass punts it next down. All of a sudden, you watch, and you're like, that's not Phil Dracovic out there. It's Dennis Grossell, and Dennis Grossell is behind center, and the announcers couldn't figure this out because they kept calling him Dracovic. They look diff- similar enough, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so Dennis Grossell is in there, and we're wondering what happened to Dracovic because they didn't show anything on TV. couldn't see anything. After the game, we find out it's a wrist or hand injury, and we're still waiting to find out at the time of recording what happened to Dracovic and what the prognosis is. But Grossell, he punches it in. Boston College goes up 14 to nothing. For the rest of the first um, quarter uh, half, it's back and forth. Boston College does not score again, but they are playing power running football. They are not really opening up that playbook. They are just going simple run uh, with some passes in between, and that was it. You know, for 14 nothing Boston College, it seemed like you know, hey, BC is gonna you know just coast by and win a you know like a 35 nothing game. But credit to UMass, who after halftime came out kicking. Giving uh, scoring 21 points on Boston College. Boston College's offense, however, was too powerful for UMass, and they matched it point for point. Now there were some big moments in this. Rico Arnold had his first touchdown. Um, he was a he's a transfer from Charlotte. Uh, someone in the defensive backfield missed the coverage or fell down or something. He was wide open. Scores for 50 yard touchdown pass. Then. Boston College, you know, they score a couple times. You know, you get a touchdown um, from Jaden Lars Woodby on a fumble return. You get a touchdown from uh, Trey Barry. And, you know, UMass is struggling a little bit. However, Boston College is about to get the ball right back. And Travis Levy makes a big time error. This was a big one. Now he goes back and what he, you know, it was a, it was a kick that was over his shoulder. He's going backwards, trying to catch it. And instead of just letting it go and bounce out of the end zone, which it clearly would have, he went and tried to catch it and it caught it off the top of his shoulder and it didn't catch it. It kind of, he kind of grabbed it. It kind of bounced off the top of his shoulder. And then UMass recovered the ball at the one yard line. Uh, BC couldn't keep him out. They score again. 
So they're going back and forth. BC, you know, the lead goes down to about 10. The defense, the, 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 we'll talk about this with Mitch later. The big part about the defense was the penalties. They just continually, they made 11 penalties for 99 yards in this game. And most of those, if not all of them, were on the defense. So BC's defense just kept bailing them out, bailing them out, and giving, um, you know, UMass all these gold opportunities. There was another drive. Boston College kicks off. Danny Longman kicks it. It goes out of bounds. His second time in two weeks. This is going to be something they need to address. We cannot have the Steve Adazio issue here with Jeff Halfley. Hopefully they figure out another kicker who can do this because Danny Longman cannot be kicking balls out of out of the uh, out of bounds all the time. He's two in two weeks. However, tack on to that 15 yards for a personal foul, and now they get the ball to 50. So UMass, they're playing with they're playing with um, a little bit of zazz. They're playing with um, energy because hey, they're they're be, they're you know trading blows with the mighty Boston College, and all of a sudden they look like they're going to be in it. You know they're they're doing it. However, in the end, Boston College makes a series of big plays, and that was it. BC wins forty five twenty eight. This is a game no one's going to want to remember because. You know, it wasn't that UMass shredded BC's defense. And we'll get into the the intricacies of what the defense looked like and why Jeff Halfley did what he did, because there was a reason to it. And we'll get into that. It was the stupid mistakes between the Levy fumble, the uh, penalties, the missed coverage. Lots of these little things that Boston College is not supposed to do under a good coach like Halfley, they did. And after that game, I, I was listening to the press conference with my wife and... She goes, man, Halfley sounds pissed. And he was. He was very angry about that. And the other big piece that I actually kind of left out in the middle there, in the third quarter, as they're minding this comeback, Jay, Zay Flowers goes on a jet sweep that UMass sniffed out probably three weeks ago because their defender was waiting for him in the backfield and annihilated, like blew up Zay Flowers hard. It, when you watched it on replay, Flowers looks like he goes down and he grabs his knee. And I think every person in Chestnut Hill and all the Eagles fans everywhere, the, the collective gasp could be heard from space because it looked bad. It looked really bad because you just thought like, okay, his season's over. Like, this is it. His knee's gone. And that was it. But on top of that, they fumbled the ball. But that wasn't the big point at that at that time. It was that Zay was down. You lost Jakovic earlier. We don't know what's going on with him. Zay looks like he's gone. All of a sudden, the season looks like it's going to be uh, completely different than anything we expected. We are in trouble. But if you were on Twitter, you saw it about 20 minutes later. Jason Baum tweeted out, Zay Flowers is expected to return to the game. Uh, he's good to go. And that gasp, you know, you heard the gasp before from space. You heard the ga- the sigh of relief probably even further than that from uh, BC Nation when Zay Flowers returned to the game. He had a big catch at the end, too. Uh, so that was huge. Now we just wait to see what's going on with Jakovic because um, it, apparently it happened when he fell um, during one of the last plays on that drive. He fell and braced himself. So it sounds like it's his hand or his wrist. Uh, Halfley's getting x-rays explained to him at like 1.30 on Sunday. Hopefully we'll find out then. If we don't, we'll probably have to wait till media day to hear about it. He's very guarded in how he releases uh, injury information. So don't expect Halfley to be too upfront because he's just going to try to hide it. I mean, the best case scenario for this is that it's a light sprain or something and he just misses, I mean, misses Temple because... You can win. You can easily beat Temple with Dennis Grossell. Temple is a bad team. Um, But 
I think, you know, the worry is that he's out for a lot longer. Uh, Grossell did an excellent job. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Hopefully you enjoyed it. They're 2 and no now. And um, I just want to lastly say, I hope to God that we don't have to ever do another away game that is done by their regional uh, team announcers. Because I just... Andy Gresh and um, their their other announcer was like... It was like listening to... I get, I get it. It's a UMass thing. But like... Like Gresh didn't know the difference between Grossell and Jakovic for a whole two rounds and then complained about it. And then it was just, it was hard to listen to. They just didn't seem like they understood much of what's going on. Um, I much prefer ACC Network. You know, that's what it is. So we'll hear more about that in a little bit. So in a, in a second, we're going to talk to uh, Mitch Wolf and we'll hear more about that. But first, let me tell you about the Locked On ACC podcast. It's hosted by Candace Cooper. I join her along with a other group of Locked On hosts from the ACC uh, area. So check out Locked On ACC wherever you get your podcast. Now let's chat a little bit about prize picks. Have you been doing uh, daily fantasy picks? Why don't you try out prize picks? Prize picks is a daily fantasy made easy. I love this and I know you will too. Prize picks offers every sport you can think of NFL, college football, you name it, they have it. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power 5 as well as mid-major players you might never even have heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns and even interceptions thrown. When you use promo code Locked On, you'll receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You pick two to five, pl- five players in an over and under projection and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Head on over to Prize Picks, your daily fantasy made easy. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black. We are talking Boston College and UMass, and I have my Monday guest, Mitch Wolf, who is here to talk about Saturday's 45-28 game that Boston College took down UMass. Mitch, how's it going? You know, it's good. It's Again, I always say it's better to be 2-0 than 1-1, but, you know, there's obviously things that we need to talk about. Yeah, so... It was definitely not the prettiest of games, uh, especially on the defensive end. But we're going to start with the offense, which I thought had a really good game. I thought, especially with Jakovic out after the first series, um, they they seem to still they still move the ball effectively, especially on the ground. Mitch, what were some of the your takeaways from the offense in this game? So I'm going to preface this by saying that because of the uh, strange streaming situation, I was not able to watch the game until basically it was over. Um, so I'm going to be mostly just looking at stats and such. But, I mean, it's hard to get mad at a game where BC only punts twice and scores a touchdown on almost every other drive. So, and especially when your backup quarterback has to come in after, you know, a drive and a half or whatever. So, you know, it's fine on the offensive end. (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny because you're starting to see some, I don't want to say cockiness out of Jeff Halfley, but if you listen to his press conferences, he's, he's telling you some of the truths, the things that you think behind the scenes. So against Colgate, he admitted that he put away half of the playbook because he didn't want to use it. And then against UMass, he said after the game that they could have just kept scoring on them every time they wanted to. Uh, they just were, you know, at certain points trying to slow the game down so that they could just get out of there in one piece. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think he said something like, we could have won 60 to 7. And I was like, wow, okay, so we're just going to come right out and say it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every BC fan would probably agree with that sentiment. Then the game just kind of got really wonky. Uh, but, you know, that might just be kind of his youth showing. You know, obviously, this is only his second season as a head coach uh, at any level. So, you know, I, I think you see a lot of those older coaches, they kind of, you know, get into that coach speak where they say, 
nothing while saying a ton of words, but Halfley's maybe just, maybe that's not his style where he's just going to come out and say it, say what he feels. Or you could be like the coach in Fort Collins, who we'll talk about later, uh, <laughs> who says the same thing that he's been saying for seven years now. <laughs> uh, anyways, we're not, this is not the Steve Adazio show. We're not going to talk. Not yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for Halfley, it's, it's, it's kind of refreshing to hear a coach at times say what he thinks. Now, one part he I, – I, I don't want to challenge him on it because he has his reasons and I get it. But you have to understand when he talks injuries, there was two big injuries in this game. One, luckily, was just a, like a ding up, and that was on Zay Flowers. And that one looked worse when you saw it happen than whatever happened to Phil Dracovic, but we didn't see that. Now, we're getting no reports right now on where Phil Dracovic is. Um, how big is this loss for Boston College? We don't even know if he's coming back, when he'll be back. Jeff Halfley probably is going to tell us nothing until you know we see the team come out of the tunnel against Temple. Right, so there's a lot of indicators that kind of go both ways, but so I'm going to kind of lay them all out. So first of all, for Dracovic specifically, because Zay Flowers came back in the game, one of those injuries where it looks worse, but he was fine. He came back and made a big play at the very end of the game. Anyways, back to Jerk. He was reported as questionable to return. Now that tells me that if this was against NC State, maybe Clemson, and the game was close, he comes back in. It's UMass. They don't necessarily need him. So he's questionable. He's fine. The fact that Halfley has been so cagey about it does give me some concern for pause. I think that's mostly to keep Temple in the dark because he wants them to maybe have I – mean, it's not like Dennis Grossell's, you know, a better player, like presents a vastly different skill set. But I think he's kind of doing that coach thing again where he just kind of wants to keep the opponent on their toes unnecessarily perhaps. Uh, in terms of how this DC moves on, assuming Phil – maybe let's, let's just assume Phil can't go this week. Dennis Grossell is probably the best backup quarterback in the ACC. He's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the country. Again, he doesn't have the physical skill set that Phil has, but he's very smart. He knows how to run the offense, and he's pretty much, except for the Virginia game, he's not really going to try to turn the ball over. He's going to stay within the confines of the offense. He's going to get what he's going to get what what needs to be done done. And against Temple, a team that's been pretty bad so far, I'm very comfortable with him starting this week. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's important to note a few th- different things. So I'm going to go off a little bit here. Now, we talked about Halfley being cagey with injuries. He's done this numerous times now, and he's, he's cagey about death charts just in general. Remember last year, literally everyone knew that Phil Dracovic was going to start game one, mm-hmm. and he did not announce that until they marched out in uh, Wallace Wade Stadium last year. On top of that, he also did not tell anyone about Dracovic's um, separated shoulder when he played against Syracuse. He announced it after the game. This year – Boo Mary had a hip injury, and the week before that game, during pressing press for the Colgate game, he's out there saying, well, we'll have to guess to see who's going to be the starting kicker, knowing there's no way that Aaron Boo Mary had a hip injury between Wednesday and Saturday. So that's kind of his thing, and I don't blame him. You know, that's, that's a coaching advantage. You have to do that. But I'm just saying that for the fans out there. Like, if he comes out this week – I'm going to guarantee you if, if Dracovic can or can't go Halfley's going to be super cagey about it. So I'm just going to say it right now. <laughs> yeah. You're hundred percent right. And I think it could also be, maybe he's just kind of uncomfortable discussing injuries. Cause you know, these players, they're technically adults, but you know, mostly refer to them as kids and you might yep. just feel kind of uncomfortable disclosing that status. Um, yep. And it is kind of a weird subject in general, I guess. Yeah. Well, so Dracovic, 
you know, he, he could play. We will have to wait and see what happens. You know, I, I, I'll have to tell the audience, I recorded the first segment you just listened to earlier today um, around like two o'clock. We, uh, the doctor staff was supposed to meet with Halfley. Um, my thought, just, you know, ballparking this, if there was something catastrophic wrong with Phil Dracovic, like he broke his wrist and is going to miss the year, Pete Thamel would have tweeted about it already because they leak mm-hmm. everything to him. And that would have been something he would have been leaked. Yeah. I'm just, you know, that kind of thing, he would know. So yeah. I, I get the suspicion that it won't be huge, but we'll have to see, is it like three weeks? Is it he'll be back, you know, from Mizzou? But that's something just to think about. Now, I want to talk about the running game. And I have to again swallow Crow for the second year in a row. Uh, last year, I had a parent that um, got on me because I didn't give enough respect to Josh DeBerry. And I was wrong about that one. And this year, it was uh, Pat Garwo, <laughs> who I got told I was not giving enough respect for. And he looked awesome on Saturday. Did you get to see any of his runs? I did. I think I saw the last one uh, actually on the stream. But based on stats, and I was looking at his like carry chart. You know, I said this in my stars, the game of which he was one. It seemed like it was kind of a feast or famine game for him. Like he would go for like, Two, three, twenty-one, you know, four, two, it's thirty-six. So, but I mean, against UMass, that's going to happen. But the other running backs also played well, so that's good to see. It's not just like Garwell was the only one, but I mean, one hundred sixty yards—that's probably the most a BC running back has had since AJ Dillon's final game against Pittsburgh. Right. So, you know, it's one thing maybe we haven't necessarily talked about is that like Garwell brings more of a physical running style, which might not necessarily equate perfectly to Halfley's system. But in terms of him cutting up field, he just brings a more physical profile that's going to be harder to bring down once he makes that sharp cut up field and that he's just lower to the ground and bringing more strength and power. And, you know, if you're not going to be able to consistently make guys miss, you want to be able to run through them. And I think that's kind of the thing that Garwo brings to this offense. So that's our talk about offense. In a moment, we're going to talk about the defense because that is the, that's the more loaded conversation here. But, Let's, let's uh, talk a little bit about sweat. I know there's not a lot more things you want to talk about than sweating, and there's, this is not that much fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. is It's just gross. You know, when you're sweating through shirts for no reason, it's embarrassing, right? Some of you may know that I personally have dealt with this. When I speak in public, I can't help but sweat through my shirt. Now, listen, I know this isn't life and death, and there are much worse problems in the world, but let's be honest. In the moment, it feels like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech, interview, or, God forbid, a first date. I'd rather I'd rather much not worry about it, and that's why I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night, go to bedtime, and boom! Next morning, wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat, and they guarantee it. I know this will sound too good to be true, but I literally only have to use Sweatblock once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on which one will hide sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. Now, if you know me, you know I am a big fan of the Built Bars. Built Bars are a protein bar that is 100% covered in chocolate, and they are delicious. They're better than any other protein on the market. I can tell you that. They have nine delicious flavors, including coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, and they always have 
these limited edition flavors, you have to check them out. Now, if you head on over to BuiltBar.com, you're going to find bars that don't taste gritty. They don't taste chalky. They taste good. They taste like a candy bar. They're 100% covered in chocolate, and they have a flavor, a, a, a nutritional profile you have to check out. Most have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 net carbs. How are you going to beat that? Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. We are talking about week two in Boston College football, which was a 45-28 win over the UMass Minutemen in Amherst, Massachusetts. It was the Red Bandana uh, uniform game. They're going to have a Red Bandana game later on in the year. Um, and we're going to talk about the defense now. We talked about the offense. We talked about the game. Let's get into the defense, who uh, did not have a strong game. But I think there's more to it. Mitch, what were your thoughts about the defense? Yeah, so, you know, obviously when we went into this game, I think a lot of people expected BC to fully dominate on both sides of the ball given their performance last week against a similarly inferior opponent. I think a lot of people expected BC to cover the spread, which they didn't end up doing. Um, but UMass was able to score on a bunch of, on several, I would say, quote, fluky situations at least, given there was the BC muffed punt, they gave them the ball at the one-yard line, they converted there. They had some uh, long touchdown throws that were against busted coverages. But I think on the on the average, there's not too much to take away from this in terms of the BC defense in that they were still mostly effective. There were just some odd situations in the game that put them in bad positions. Yeah, so there were the busted coverages. There was that ball at the one-yard line. And it seemed to me, and I know you didn't get to watch it, that they were in a lot of just simple base man-to-man or simple base zone defenses. They didn't do any – like, Halfley clearly was going in vanilla on both set ends. And even after Jakovic went out, he just stuck with it. Um, and just basically on defense, to me, it looked like he just dared UMass to, to beat him. And, um, you know, UMass was able to get some movement on there, but it was just because they weren't blitzing. Like, you know, they weren't sending the house at them. They weren't, you know, sending corners or safeties after him. Um, Mitch, do you, I mean, I know you didn't get to see the whole game, but is that kind of the impression you would have got from how Halfley coached the defense? I mean, that's kind of what I recommended again from moving from Colgate to this game is don't show a ton of your hand against an inferior opponent where it's not really going to matter what you do. Because I mean, if you look at the stats, like UMass only converted two of their eight third downs, they converted two of three fourth downs, which that's not great. But I mean, this quarterback, you know, we expected Tyler Lytle to be the starter, but he was injured and they put in this true freshman quarterback. And when I, when we got that report, I was a little concerned because this is kind of a devil, you know, versus devil, you don't. And we didn't really know anything about this true freshman and my concerns, I guess, were somewhat founded, but he still didn't complete 50% of his passes. He, there were two picks thrown. There was a fumble lost. Or that, was the, that was the special team, so it doesn't really matter. But in general, you know, I think BC was, for the most part, effective against him, minus some, you know, everyone's, you're going to have busted plays, and, you know, you must be able to take advantage of the credit to them. But I think on the average, DBC's defense was still fine. Obviously, they've got to clean up some of the tackling. But I think that, you know, kind of a weird game where they had to go on the road. They were facing a weird opponent on a before like a basically a dead crowd field gets hurt so that kind of messes with what messes with your mind a little bit maybe if you're on defense you're not as motivated so I, I think I tweeted at some point that like this was going to be a big halfway game for him to like kind of get his defense to get up for the game get focused after Phil went out and I think for the most part he's able to do that at, at once you get into the end of sort of end of game situations where the defense might just not be trying because the game is pretty in hand you know that stuff like that's going to happen yeah and you know I 
I look on Twitter and I love Boston College fans. I love all you guys. But man, you get you turn into Eeyore so fast. And like, yes, I get it. Like, you didn't beat UMass 65 to nothing. But when we're talking about what this team did and what they didn't do, um, there was some fluky stuff. And I, what the way I look at it, I get your I get your your gnashing of teeth. I get it. Um, but this is this defense that you saw on Saturday is not going to be the same defense that you see against Clemson or you see against NC State. You're going to see, you know, Jaden Woodby doing more. You're going to see Isaiah Graham Mobley, who I thought had a good game. I, you know, some of his past coverages were a little suspect, but you're going to see these guys doing more. Mitch, are you gnashing your teeth already? Or are you kind of in the same ballpark as me? I think I wouldn't say gnashing teeth. I think when you go into this game, you just – you go into it not wanting to be stressed because you're like, oh, it's UMass. Like, they should be throttling them. And when it is even remotely close, you're like, oh, God, the sky is falling. Please make it stop. You know, fix it. You know, people play – when they play UMass, you expect it to be like an NCAA football video game where you just beat them 70 to nothing and call it a day. You know, it, life doesn't work out that way sometimes. Obviously, there were injuries. UMass – but it seems like they actually might be starting to get something together. You know, maybe they'll take out UConn, which will be – that'll be a fun game to watch. I can't wait for that. <laughs> You know, and that, to, truth be told, like, this is, you know, I, I have been someone who has been accused of trolling UMass all the time. I mean, even if BC was playing kind of lousy on defensive points, I thought Brady Olsen is something you could build an offense around. Mm-hmm. I, he looked poised back there. He looks like he's got um, some, you know, talent. And, they, I mean, UMass looks like they're a world ahead of where UConn is at this point. Um, and, you know, they, it's true. They could build something off that. And then I'm sure no one's listening to this thinking, why is AJ talking about UMass in a positive way? But it's where we're at. Now, um, special teams, we, you know, it was, as Halfley said after the game, you, t- you, you give away what we saw with Levy, but then he goes and he get, takes it right back. Um, so there was some, there was some good, uh, takeaways there, um, on special teams. The last piece, Danny Longman again with another kick out of bounds. I I think it's just his thing. I think I, we just have to accept it. There's just going to be one of those every game. It is what it is, you know? And I, I, you know, I have to admit, I didn't go to Amherst for this game and I was listening to Nesson plus, which I hope we don't have to do again, please. Um, and I was having a hard time following what was going on because they're going the the two the two announcers are both UMass guys and they're like screaming and hollering about how great this is. Like they get the ball at the thirty five. Why is that big up? But but there was an additional personal follow on top of that, so it was a little confusing. But yeah, like Longman kicks it out, you get the thirty five. Is it the worst thing in the world? No, Um, but you know I do worry a little bit about kicking moving forward because um, he he's not a guy that I consider to be super reliable at this point, but I'm so traumatized by Steve Adazio. <laughs> we um, all are. I think maybe they might try to work light and then moving as at least the extra point guy. Cause I'll say this like Longman as credit to his name, he can kick the ball very far. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he'll have that one out of, he'll have that one out of bounds every game and you just kind of have to live with that. But other than that, he's, you know, pun he's kicking right out of the back of the end zone. No problem. So uh, as long as extra points are being made, I can take one kick out of bounds on a kickoff. All right, so Mitch, this is going to wrap up our conversation on UMass. Well, I'll be back tomorrow to talk a little bit more about the game. Maybe we'll give you an update on Phil Dracovic if we hear anything. Mitch, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Uh, we'll be obviously recapping BC stuff throughout the week. I'm also writing about NFL and draft stuff pretty much all the time, and you'll pretty much be able to just find my work there at my Twitter. 
All right, great. And we're going to have Mitch back on tomorrow to talk about games from around the country. And uh, we'll talk a little Steve Adazio. You can follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. I am the editor and publisher of BC Bulletin. If you are listening to this and you have not subscribed on YouTube, it is totally free. All you do is sign up for a free account on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. It helps the podcast out a ton. Check that out on there. Um, Also, check out BC Bulletin Premium. It's a free service. I mean, it's a premium service, excuse me, uh, where we have all sorts of recruiting news. Chaz Kelly, um, who I'll talk about on tomorrow's show, committed to Boston College this afternoon. I had talked to Chaz already today, and I knew it was coming, so you would have known if you were a premium member. It's only a dollar for the first month and a cup of coffee coffee after that. Jeez. All right, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all again soon. Take care.